thing that really keeps me excited is when I can really help people. Get either to get them out of a problem or to show them ways that they can do things a little bit better. Welcome to the Small Business Celebration Podcast, the podcast by successful small business owners for business owners like you, so you can grow a strong and profitable business and use something you learn on this podcast today. Our guest is Keith Stoller of Keith Stoller Tax and Business Solutions, and he's going to guide us on the importance of alternate ways to leverage your home office deduction, the importance of tracking business loans to and from business shareholders, and how to deal with year-end taxable income spikes. But before we get into this wide-ranging conversation, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. As a business owner, you are a visioneer, and you are ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than your mainstream competition. But what about your message? If your clients and customers don't clearly understand what you can do for them, you are leaving money on the table. If you confuse, you lose. Here at Small Business Celebration, we have a seven-step solution that can clarify your message and put you in the game. Don't leave money on the table. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule an introduction today. Tim McNeely with Lifestone Wealth Management understands that most entrepreneurs like you simply want to make a difference in the lives of the people they love and the causes they care about. In order to do that, you need assistance in solving all of your unique financial needs. The problem is, your current financial advisor wants to talk about what a great job they are doing managing your investment portfolio, and that can leave you feeling frustrated and misunderstood. Tim believes you deserve financial advice that moves beyond your portfolio. Tim understands that you need advice on minimizing taxes, taking care of the next generation, and protecting your hard-earned assets, all while supporting the causes you are passionate about. That is why, for the last 20 years, Tim has focused on providing advice beyond investments. Here's how it works. First, you and Tim meet, and he learns what really matters to you. Then, Tim presents a plan for moving forward, making real progress towards achieving your most important goals. To get started, Contact Tim at LifestoneWM.com. That's LifestoneWM.com. And start making a difference in the lives of the people you love and the causes you care about. Hello, fellow business owners and visioneers. I'm Michael Roberts with the Small Business Celebration Podcast. And our episode today is going to be a slightly different format than usual. Today, we're talking with Keith Stoller with Keith Stoller Tax and Business Solutions. Keith is not a CPA. He is an enrolled agent with the IRS and uh, or... Close enough. Close enough, exactly. And I'll explain on. it a little bit better. And uh, the reason for this is we've gotten a lot of requests from our listeners for tax advice, and I am no professional for tax advice. And so um, I talked to some of my good colleagues, some of my great business associates, and they said Keith Stoller is the guy to talk to. So welcome to the show. Thank you. And, and for our listeners, tell us the difference between a CPA and what it is that you do. Okay. Um, there's not a huge difference difference. Um, to sum it up, what, an, uh, what a CPA can do 
that an enrolled agent cannot do legally mm-hmm. is that CPAs are noted for auditing books and declaring that, yes, these financials are true and accurate mm-hmm. or, or free of material misstatements. I am not able legally to make that representation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's usually what is presented to shareholders, business owners, uh, potential um, financial um, lenders. Sure. So um, that's where I debark. I don't particularly even have an interest in it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I focus on tax. I've always enjoyed taxation and working out out that little puzzle, (laughs) uh, given each person's unique circumstances. And if you've ever looked at the marathon of books that deal with the IRS tax code, a gentleman like you is vitally important to be able to navigate the seas of, of business and tax law and how and precedent and all that. I can be very helpful, yes. Excellent. And how long have you been doing this? I started in 1991 as far as at the time that I offered my services to other people. Um, I actually started when I was doing my own parents' tax returns back in 85. Uh, and I, I, I read back when – back then you didn't have computers to do it like TurboTax or anything of that nature. You would go down to the post office and you would get all the forms and you'd get the manuals and you'd read them and you'd fill them out to the best of your ability. Um, and at that particular time, I had, you know, my parents' mortgage was $254 a month, which at the time, that was a significant <laughs> amount of money. But um, I was their CPA bill was $200. I said, well, maybe I can, I can do this for them, and I think I could. Well, I went through it, and I actually did a very good job comparable to their CPA and taxation. But it took me quite a few hours to do and figure out. But once I knew it, it's like, hey, this is pretty good. And I actually... Saved my parents some money, almost enough to make their mortgage payment for the month. So I actually felt like I actually helped in a meaningful way. So, um, But that's what actually originally piqued my curiosity. And as I started working um, in various jobs, I'd have to do my own taxes. And then I'd, I'd help friends out and I'd do their taxes. And it just grew organically. I didn't start doing um, tax work exclusively. Uh, or anything close to full time until 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, at that particular time, I was tired of being an, somebody else's employee. I'm a, I'm a business owner myself. Oh, nice. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And what has kept you in the game? Is it the variety of the different kind of businesses and the clients that you have that come in? More and more. Um, the thing that really keeps me excited is when I can really help people, get mm-hmm. either to get them out of a problem or to show them ways that they can do things a little bit better uh, and actually put more food on their table or work their way out of debt or enter into, say, a business, for example, a little bit more smartly and mm. with a little bit more forethought. Because especially just starting out, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. And one of the things that uh, an individual like yourself comes to really a big benefit are business owners that have been in business for three, four, five, six plus years where they've gotten past the initial shock and and the the complexity of business and their own business starts to become more complicated and more sophisticated. And tell us a little bit about that and, and why you've gotten involved in that aspect of the, of the tax law and business. Um, well, it's interesting you say tax law because in reality, I'm not an attorney. I'm, so I'm, I can't practice law. 
Um, I cannot make a legal recommendation, but I can say based on what I've seen with other people and my own anecdotal experience, this is what I've seen and this is what you should be looking at and you need to consult with a qualified attorney. Sure, sure, uh, sure. So I always have to pass that buck and I'm very good about, about saying that. But because there are so many issues that can end up in – and cross that barrier. You know, they, they flirt with that little gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing where, where the debarkation line is can be very difficult sometimes. <laughs> I understand. I understand. And it's clear. And, and once again, I just wanted to emphasize a very important point of all the things that we're going to be talking about in today's episode. And by the way, Keith has been gracious enough to come back on a quarterly basis with uh, various tax t- tips and ideas. And for those of you who are listening, you can go on to uh, the Small Business Celebration Facebook page. And if you've got questions that you would like Keith to answer on our next episode in three months, go ahead and leave those questions there, and then Keith can, and I can go through those lists and go to those questions and use that as fodder for other episodes that we have coming up in the future. Yeah, it would help us tailor things a little bit better to your listeners' situations. Excellent. One of the things that a lot of business owners have is they have their business, they have a brick and mortar business or they have an internet business and they actually conduct their business at a home office. And you were talking before we got on the broadcast, you were talking a little bit about the intricacies of having a dedicated place away from your normal business that you conduct business in a business office. And you had some great thoughts and tell us, tell us a little bit about those thoughts. Well, Typically, the way people have handled home offices in the past, whether it's been as a wage-earning employee that maintains a, a home office so they can do work away from their employer's uh, uh, main facility, which is no longer deductible to a wage earner, mm-hmm. uh, which is a separate issue um, for another time. Um, but with their business, one of the things that you're able to do, if you have an entity, for example, that would be... LLC, S-Corp, C-Corp, um, even a nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, you can actually enter a rental agreement, the corporation, and you say as the managing member or key shareholder or CEO of your entity uh, would actually enter into an agreement mm-hmm. um, for either rental or lease with yourself as a private party to rent out square footage in your home. And, now, and why would you do that? Well, typically people would write that, write that information off on their schedule C, um, or attribute it to their business income or loss. Well, this could actually allow you to move some of your profitability over to yourself personally as in an, um, in a manner that is not subject to self-employment tax, that hmm. 15.3% little gem that everybody gets. Um, <laughs> some people want to pay the self-employment tax, so they get their social, secu- social security credits. Some people don't. Many people don't, but it's a case-by-case basis with each individual. Um, but it can actually be quite beneficial, and then the homeowner would actually write off, or even if you rent your own, say you rent something in the city and mm-hmm. you don't own the home, that you can still write off and your um, the actual square footage in a prorated basis versus the square footage of the house, any of the expenses for maintaining that property um, against your rental income. Uh, you can depreciate. If you own the property, you can actually depreciate it and protect some of that money. But either way, you are still 
moving it over to yourself personally in a in a tax advantaged manner. Excellent, excellent. That's that's some great advice there, and uh, and of course that always always comes with an asterisk because always make sure that you check with your 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 accounting and your 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 uh, enrolled agent. Yeah. What's available to you is going to vary to by each individual and what their personal circumstances are. Now, one of the other things that you were also talking about that was fascinating is we have many business owners who actually have stockholders or stakeholders or members that are, are part of their business. They, you may think that they're the sole proprietor or they're the only owner, but the reality is is there's actually other money and other responsibility behind the face of that person. And tell us a little bit about the how it the importance of tracking any kinds of loans or anything like that between the business owner and the other interested parties. Okay. Uh, that's actually a very good and common topic that comes up, especially with people who have formalized their business into an entity mm -hmm. as a shareholder or a member of the LLC or even a partnership. Um, occasionally there exists a need to either supplement the partnership or the, the entity's um, income uh, because maybe there's a lean time. Now there's two, one of two things you can do. You can just inject capital and increase your basis in the company and maybe get some stock out mm -hmm. uh, if that is an option, which increases your equity in the business. Or you can maintain a or work with getting, giving the business a loan. Hmm. Alternately, if you need money, you might get a loan from your business. Hmm. But whichever way you choose, whichever situation it is, you need to go about it in the right way, or it may be disallowed by the government, or it may be attributed to the individual as either dividends or some other form of taxable income, um, or it may not be counted in the right way, with that particular business. So one of the most important things to do is to clearly say that this is a loan. You have to document it. Mm -hmm, From mm -hmm. a legal standpoint, if you haven't got it written down, it doesn't exist. Right. And it's subject to the government's interpretation in the government's favor. Always. Yeah. You do not want the government doing your tax return <laughs> for you or making decisions for you because they have a vested interest. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, those aircraft carriers don't come cheap. No, they don't. Or the toilet seats or the hammers that cost $800,000 <laughs> and $1,200 each. Um, <clears throat> but that, again, that's that's let's not get too political <laughs> um, because it doesn't matter who's in office, really. Uh, it's always been the same thing. Um, but one of the, so the, whatever loan agreement or arrangement you have, whichever way it goes, it has to be documented. If you are in an entity of any type, you need to have a loan agreement. Mm -hmm. uh, if it may, you have to actually note some sort of reasonable market rate interest and what the repayment terms are. Is it secured if such a thing makes sense and what it's secured by? So it has to look like a loan if the government want, audits you and wants to question it. 
And if somebody hasn't got the foggiest idea on how to put together one of those kind of loan agreements, where can they get that information to be able to do that? Well, they can get it from their accountant, for Mm -hmm. starters. Uh, But this is one of those little things where it might stray into legal structuring. And you might even want to consult with an attorney because if you own an entity, like a, a corporation, for example, or an LLC, one of the key things that protects your limited liability is the fact that you do your corporate minutes. Right. And you make board resolutions for these things. And everything needs to be documented. Again, if it's not documented in the proper fashion and is subject to discovery, let's say if there was a lawsuit, then it can be questioned and it could they could poke holes in it all over it, all over that. And, the, and that can be change to be reattributed to say personal income or or something of that nature to that individual uh in the company so it it, it can be very complicated and you want to do it right you don't want to be informal about it that's the bottom line absolutely the key is is if you have a corporation at all or an llc you have to take minutes you have to keep you have to document everything because if you don't the government loves to poke holes in the corporate veil. And that is one of the key areas that people fall down, especially with a single owner business, that you've got so many things to worry about. That's the last thing you're thinking about. And it's the most critical. And you, there are services that do that, not that and nothing but that that are available for like 25 bucks a month. Um, and so they will actually do most of that for you and will communicate with you. So there's no reason not to do it, and if you, even if you need help, get the help. Sure, sure, sure. One of the other things that's a question that has popped up through the off-recording uh, off conversations I've had with our guests is talking about year-end taxable income spikes and how to deal with that because there's a lot of business owners who have a calendar year that starts on January 1, and their most profitable month happens to be the month of December because of the holidays. And this was a question that I had posed to Keith earlier, and he had a great explanation for helping put this in perspective and how to approach this. How does does a business owner who deals with these income spikes at the end of the year uh, deal with this and and make it so they can not have to worry about taking the tax liability hit on December 31st and still have money? to be able to pay their employees, pay their overhead, and the like. For many people, especially sole proprietors, this is where you need to start really thinking about forming an entity. Right. Um, We've kind of emphasized that a little bit on this cast. Uh, Maybe depending on the feedback from your listeners, we may modify that or branch into other areas in the future. But this is where you need to start thinking about doing business in a different way. Because, say, for example, a C-corporation or an LLC that's taxed as a C-corporation, it's more beneficial now to have a C-corporation, for example, because now it's a flat tax. Right. Um, And you don't necessarily have to pay yourself a wage, so you might get... Get money through dividends rather than a paycheck, which is taxed at a very favorable rate. So that's maybe, again, another topic for another time <laughs> uh, because we could talk quite a bit about that. But to stay on task, um, if you're seeing all your money come in or a large portion of it, December 30, you know, up through December 31st, the very last port, tail end of your calendar year, then with a C-Corp or an LLC taxed as a C-Corp, for example, you can actually 
I'll opt for a different year end. And instead of having to rush and spend all this money that you would like to actually have left over for January or February or March to help, <laughs> to help ease things out, you can choose, say, June 30th as a year end or any other alternate month that makes the most sense for you. Perhaps you choose, say, September 30th for as an example. And then that way you have the bulk of the following calendar year to make the best use out of that money and even out the expenses for your business, for example. Um, that's probably the most beneficial or one of the more beneficial ways to deal with that year-end tax tax problem that you're dealing with and how to basically smooth things out for your business going forward. Taking a step back for a moment, mm -hmm. I'd like to, we, we were talking about the uh, alternate ways to leverage the home office deduction. People love hearing what has gone horribly wrong. And where is an example? You can obviously omit the person's name and, and all oh, that. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> but to give us an example of somebody who's done things the wrong way when dealing with their home office deduction. Well, the most prevalent issue that's come up in audits is when somebody denotes an area of their home and they're not actually using it exclusively for business. Right. Uh, let's say it's a hybrid room and they're counting the full square footage and everybody uses that as kind of an entertainment room at the same time. That's not necessarily something that would hold up in an audit. Um, or to not have backup substantiating that you are, you, that is indeed a home office. One thing that auditors like to see so they don't have to physically come out to your house is that you can actually capture, video capture, exactly what the square footage is and how your office is laid out. Does it really look like an office or does it look like a lounge area where you and your buddies yuck it up after a after a sports sports event or something of that nature. Um, so you, you get the basic idea. I think I painted the picture. Sure. Um, so that's probably the biggest area where it goes wrong, or people that are not really using it exclusively for business. And what's a, what's a story that you may have based on that, or a story based on how the business loan from the entity to the business has gone horribly wrong? Because they didn't document it. Right. Or say a sole proprietor did it where they just basically gave themselves a loan. If you're a sole proprietor, there's no separation. There's no legal separation. So you can't really give a loan to yourself, can right. you? Right, um, Which is why you really need to start looking at how you're running your business and what the proper structure is for it given your circumstances. Um, there are probably numerous other things that – fall into the category of, that make it very beneficial for uh, home office or, or, or business loans, I should say. Let's go back to business loans, for example. Also, not documenting it. Where it's gone horribly wrong uh, in one person who came to me with a tax problem, because that's one of the other services I offer, is custom tax problem resolution, especially oriented towards business owners. And it's because they had made loans but didn't document mm -hmm. that it was a loan. And then it was reattributed as income by the IRS that was taxable in a less favorable. It was actually taxable income or a dividend uh, when in reality all it was was really a loan. 
That's when it backfires, <laughs> and that's where you get a rotten surprise. And sure. If you haven't been working with your accountant or your accountant somehow did it wrong, um, then you end up back, backfiring. But, again, that also comes in comes back to corporate minutes. So the more formal you make it, the more likely it is that you're not ever going to experience a problem with that. And there's certain, like you said earlier, there are services for, you know, 25, 30 bucks a month that'll go through and do that for you and keep in touch and help. Correct. So there's no reason to feel like it's this onerous task that is just going to consume, consume all your day and it should be put off till tomorrow. Because once you actually get a lawsuit, for example, it's already too late. Go into discovery and it's all it's all it's all over and you, in a lot of I've actually talked to business owners who think oh I'll just go ahead and do them retroactively sorry charlie doesn't work that way and right. if you do that and they catch you then you're subject to a great many other criminal penalties in addition to civil penalties so and and again I'm not an attorney I'm just telling you based on anecdotal evidence any business attorney that deals with corporate formations or limited liability issues um, can can regale you with any one of a number of stories. One gentleman that I work with to outsource that service, for example, uh, he used to be a district, a deputy district attorney for Santa Barbara mm-hmm. and Santa Barbara County, and that's all he did was find ways to breach corporate veils. That's all he did, and he was really good at it. But he also commonly found all business owners, no matter how small or large the business, tended to fail to do that one thing, and then they ended up getting held personally liable as well as the corporation when it didn't have to be that way. Sure, sure. Well, so do we – the great thing about a podcast is we can edit all this Editing is great, isn't it? (laughs) Well, Keith, this has been very informative, and I really appreciate you taking the time and giving our listeners some thoughts on on the beginning of the new year. We're going into February, which is absolutely insane and crazy for tax professionals just like yourself. And – how can our listeners get a hold of you if they have questions or they want to talk to you about their specific business? The most expedient way is to pick up the phone and give me a call or and leave a detailed message if I can't pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. The beautiful thing about me working for myself and by myself is that there's one person that answers my phone generally, and that's me. I get my <laughs> messages, and my business relies on that. Even if I can't pick up the phone, if you leave a detailed message... I can actually respond to you, and the more details you leave me, the more intelligently I can respond to you. Uh, the second, the second most effective way is to email me directly, mm-hmm. and to directly email me, the best email at this time is stolerpr at gmail dot com. That's my last name: S is in Sam, T is in Tom, O L L E R P R at gmail dot com. And what is your phone number? My phone number, I have two. I have an 800 number for people who are out of the area. It's 844-GO-KS-TAX, or you can call the local number, which is, of course, 661-616-1348. 
Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Keith, again, for being on the podcast. And remember, listeners and visioneers, if you've got questions about taxes and how to prepare them or have general tax questions, go ahead and give Keith a call. He would love to talk to you, set up an appointment, and help you with your business, and help you develop and grow a strong and profitable business. Thank you, Keith, for being on the podcast. My pleasure. We'll see you in three months. Sounds good. I've been asked, who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business owner who's a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Become a visioneer by joining the Tribe on Small Business Celebrations Facebook page and on Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you may find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. And that's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. If there is a business in the California San Joaquin Valley you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I am your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.